Hello everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we cast our all-seeing eye over the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who's we? Well, I'm your host Andrew and as per usual I'm joined by my co-host Mick. Ah no, no, Milo. Call me Milo. For no good reason. Well, okay, Milo. Other than that you previously knew someone else called Milo. Yeah, that's, that's how nicknames work, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, Milo, before we get started, can I offer you a drink? Because we do have a rather robust red on the menu, as well as a nice zesty blue, so take your pick. Ooh. Um, I'll, uh, I'll take the blue for now. I may move on to red later. I see. But once you need to move on to the stronger stuff. Yeah. Yeah, as as you may or may not have guessed from that introduction, because to have guessed that, you will have had to watch this film. And dear God, why would you? <laughs> so yes, this week we are doing what, what I believe the kids on the internet refer to as Morbin time. What? It's it's Morbin time, Mick. Like like how the Power Rangers say it's morphing time. Do they? I don't understand the youths, Mick. You have to remember, I was an adult when Power Rangers came out. Oh my god, you were you weren't even a teen with attitude. <laughs> All that being my said, glory days were, my glory days were behind me with Thundercats. I think, as as good an effort as we're putting up, I think we do have to admit that we just have to talk about Morbius. Yeah. And not the good kind of Morbius either. No. Sadly not the Doctor Who episode The Brain of Morbius. This is the 2022 film, directed by Daniel Espinosa, written by Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless, which, I mean, first of all, that's pretty ironic, isn't it? That one of the writers of a vampire film is Burke Sharpless. Don't, don't go buying a steak from that guy. Also, a couple of fun facts. They also wrote the film Dracula Untold, the other terrible vampire film. Wow. Which was originally supposed to kick off the Dark Universe. Do you remember the Dark Universe, Mick? That, wasn't that like the MCU, but about 24 films shorter? Yeah, that was the one where it was going to be that one and then The <laughs> Mummy and then like a Frankenstein film and The Invisible Man. And they even like released that poster of all the actors going like, this is only the beginning. And then it immediately died. Yes. It, yeah. Even Brendan Fraser can't kill a Mummy franchise that quick. No, no he can't. Also, speaking of Egyptian things... I've also got a surprising opportunity to correct an error on an earlier episode. Cause Matt, what? Because Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless also wrote the film Gods of Egypt, which I mistakenly said was the one where Jamie Lannister plays the god Osiris. He doesn't he plays Horus. Ah. Uh, but also, it doesn't well, I'll, matter. I'll sleep, I'll sleep better tonight now. So... 
the key difference between this and the de classic Doctor Who episode Brain of Morbius um, is that in this, uh, uh, sorry, in the Brain of Morbius, the Doctor finds himself facing off against a creature that can only be described as an abomination, whereas the film Morbius is just an abomination. But it does have the Doctor in it. It does indeed have the Doctor in it, yeah. But before we get to that, uh, I should probably also mention, as I'm wont to do, that this film is based on the Marvel character created by Roy Thomas and Gil Kane. And um, this will contain spoilers, but not as many as the movie itself. Yeah, again, this is one where I say spoilers, but is it really a spoiler if you learn the entire plot of Morbius and so then don't have to watch the film Morbius? Because I think that's the opposite of a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> you do realise... David Hasselhoff is listening to this podcast rubbing his hands in glee. He thinks he's onto a winner here. I mean, he he might have cause to like keep his ears bricked. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll come back to some comic stuff later. I think we'll we'll start off with the plot synopsis because God, let's just get it out of the way. And do you remember how how? Last episode, Multiverse of Madness was the longest plot synopsis I've ever done. Yes. Don't think this is going to have the same problem. <laughs> well, I, I could have a bash at this. Let's see how close I get to your plot synopsis. Yeah, do you want to like, have a crack first? Child with degenerative disease grows up to be mad scientist comes up with crazy theory about bat genetics. Something goes horribly wrong, turns him into a blood-sucking monster, but a blood-sucking monster with enough morals to realise that if he gives it to his friend who's got the same degenerative disease, he'll make two monsters, so he refuses, thus causing said friend to steal the formula and become an even more degenerative monster than he would have been in the first place. Pretty much. They have a big, they have a big swirly fight. The end. I mean, pretty much. Yeah, I'm impressed, Mick, because I watched this yesterday and I'd basically forgotten it by the time I had to write this up. <laughs> but yeah, just to, I mean, I'm just to flesh out what you said, but barely. <laughs> So, Michael Morbius, played by Jared Leto, is a doctor with a rare blood disease that I assume is called MacGuffin Syndrome. <laughs> Working on a cure for both himself and his adopted brother Milo, played by Matt Smith, who, who is on, actually called Lucian. Yeah, but it's just called Milo because Michael knew a guy who was called Milo. And look, we, of all the many things to get bogged down on, we don't have time for that one. I know. Speaking of getting bogged down in things, so Michael's working at his lab, which is also maybe a hospital, and it's all funded by Milo because Milo is rich, or they're adopted through 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 some unknown reasoning. Cause comics, 
I mean, not even because comic book movie, because Sony comic book movie, to be precise. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, it's maybe he's a crime lord, or maybe it's just that their adoptive father, Nicholas, played by Jared Harris, who is also their childhood doctor, is rich. Unless he isn't rich. Oh, oh. What, what was there not? Is there not one sort of vague reference that might suggest that Milo might be descended from a prince of some kind or something, or like a, an aristocracy of some kind? I mean, potentially. I... It's lots of characters say things and most of it's nonsense. That's true. That's very, very true. Anyway, do continue. Yes, so Mikey Morbs discovers that he can make a cure. Mikey Morbs, <laughs> is, is this when he's going through his new kids on yes. the <laughs> He discovers that he can make a cure. Mikey Morbs. I'm glad you liked that one. That gave me a chuckle when I wrote it. Mikey Morbs and DJ Lucian. It might be the one good thing to come out of this film. It's just the name <laughs> Mikey Morbs. My. Mikey Mobs 2, Blood in the Hub. So he discovers that he can make a cure by bonding his DNA with vampire bat DNA. The experiment is illegal, though, because it's nonsense. So Michael, <laughs> his colleague Martine, played by Adira Ajona, and some mercenaries that Milo somehow hires, forget about it, they take a boat out into international waters. The experiment cures Michael, but as a side effect, turns him into a bat-like monster, and unable to control his hunger, he murders all the mercenaries and drinks their blood. I don't know what you're thinking. Oh, Andrew, I'm showing the actual film that there's a lot more build-up and payoff to that moment. You would be wrong. No. Yes. So, Michael... Ma Ma Martina, of course, spends the entire movie wandering through it with the concerned look of an actress who thinks this might end up on my CV. She is, yeah. She, she is very good at playing someone who has made a terrible mistake. <laughs> Not for the reason the scriptwriters think <laughs> So, Michael escapes back to his lab and finds he needs to drink synthetic blood to hold off his blood rage and or the cure wearing off. They, they seem to flip-flop between what actually happens when he runs out of blood. But Every time he drinks synthetic blood, it gets a bit less effective and pushes him closer towards needing human blood, a plot point that's very important until it isn't. <laughs> Milo comes to Morbius for the cure, but Michael refuses to give it to him as the side effects are somewhat less than perfect. So Milo... We're talking more than just nausea and mild yeah. headaches. You know, some slight dizziness, hair around the ears wanting to tear up people's throats and consume their bodily fluids. The normal stuff. Yeah. So Milo then has the incredibly rational reaction of stealing the cure, using it on himself, uh, becoming a vampire monster and framing Michael for murder. Uh, then both Nicholas and Martin die in incredibly redundant scenes, and then Morbius kills Milo <sighs> with a special anti-vampire injection, and then Martin gets better because she drank some of Michael's blood. And that's all fine. And then, post-credits, Michael Keaton's vulture is now in the MCU. Does that make any sense? Nope. And that's Morbius. Oh, oh, oh Mick, should I, 
Should I say Snorbius? Oi! No. Because that would in, that would infer that it has some kind of effect on the viewer. That's true. God, this film is a load of bad guano, isn't it? It really is. I mean... Right. It's a comic book movie. Alright. It's a Sony comic book movie. So the bar's fairly low. Right. I mean, let's remember that the last time they went to make Spider-Man movies, Marvel said, Shall we make them for you? Yeah, they, they took the great hands away and said... <laughs> Maybe we'll let the grown-ups handle this one. <laughs> so, so here we are, uh, back in the Sony-verse, and um, listen, Spider-Man, right? It's comic logic, but it still holds together, because when Peter Parker gets bitten by the radioactive spider, right, he gets the proportional strength, strength of a spider, Depending on which adaptation, the power to spin webs, right? And the power to, like, climb walls and stuff. These are things that spiders can do. Wait, are you trying to say that bats aren't famous for their superhuman strength? Well, I mean, even that one, you could argue vampire bats are fairly tiny, so I guess if you scale them up to the size of a man... Proportional strength. Nah. What vampire bats are not famous for doing is turning into trails of smoke as they move around. Okay, good. I'm glad I've got that because... What is that? <laughs> like, I don't think it, it, it wouldn't be so bad if there wasn't a whole scene where Michael Morbius goes through all his powers and like... Oh yes, I've got superhuman strength and reflexes because my, my DNA is all jacked up and I can echolocate like a bat. So it's all explained. Also, this happens. Yeah. And it, well, the thing is, this is gene therapy and it acts instantly. I mean, you think Neurofen gets to the source of your pain quick. Yeah, it's literally... Does does the thing presses the buttons and then bam he's a vampire. Yeah. Like it's just it's such amazingly incompetent filmmaking. Yes. Um I thought the I thought the special effects were good. Uh, for nineteen ninety four. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Yes, I very much enjoy these PlayStation 2 cutscenes. <laughs> well, this is, this is the thing, though. It, it's the kind of film where if it had come out at around the same time, it would, from an effects point of view, have given Blade a run for its money. But that was 20-odd years ago. <laughs> yeah. It's also, we should point out, nowhere near as good as Blade. That's true. I mean, Michael Morbius doesn't even do one spin kick. 
That's true. There's no nightclub murder scene either. Not a single blood rave. No. And there's no Wesley Snipes either. Yeah, which but it's interesting we mentioned that because Morbius obviously he started off as a Spider-Man villain, but he is also quite tied to Blade. Mm. In possibly one of my favourite examples of just ridiculous comics nonsense. <laughs> so And there are so many of those. So so when Blade was first introduced, like he didn't actually have any superpowers. It was just if he gets bitten by a vampire, he won't get turned into a vampire, which is why he's right. the ultimate vampire hunter. Then obviously Blade the I movie came out and changed that to, he's like, oh, he's got all the strength of a vampire, but none of the weaknesses. Yeah. So Marvel said, oh, we should, we should implement that in the comics. What's the most, you know, obvious way to do that? And it's, of course, to have Morbius bite Blade and because Morbius is only a pseudo-vampire, his special pseudo-vampire genes interact with Blade's half-vampire genes to turn Blade into the Daywalker. Because comics. I mean, it's, it's writing that is up there with I don't know how I got here, I think it's something to do with Spider-Man. Because <laughs> yeah. that's so. I mean, other films may think. Also, here's the other thing that gets me with that. I don't know, we're rushing ahead to the cutscene at the end, but. Right. So, Toons has just spent time in the other universe, right? An unspecified amount of time. But that's where he was. Right? He then gets shuffled over, because Spider-Man, into this universe. In the time that he's been absent from this universe, Morbius has become a thing. Right? Yep. How did he get hold of his contact details? In order to send in the message for the secret rendezvous? I mean... I assume that question is up there with also, and why did he do that? Yeah. Because literally the only reason Adrian Toomes the Vulture would get in touch with Morbius is if he is aware of the fact that they are both villains from the Spider-Man comic series. Yeah. Which gives you a Deadpool level of self-awareness. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's everything about that. It's like, well, why is Tombs not perturbed about the fact that he's crossed universes? Why is he not upset about the fact that he's never going to see his family again? How does he build a vulture suit, given that his original one was built by a scientific genius using alien technology? Why does he want to meet up with with Morbius? What does he want to team up with him to do? You know, well, to do good. He said. But what good and why? An unspecified amount of good for the lols, I would imagine. I want, I've decided that there's a multiverse mashup I want to see. It's the one where um, 
Adrian Toomes fights Birdman and Batman 89. Oh, I like it. It would be that one Spider-Man meme of them all just standing pointing at each other. <laughs> also, I feel like Birdman is like badly outclassed in that one. <laughs> was it Birdman he played? Yeah, in, uh, yeah, but he yeah. was just an actor playing a role in a yeah. film in that one. But, but I think that would be great. Also, does Batman still have like his eighty-nine costume where he can't move his head? Yes, excellent. He better be wearing that in the Flash film as well. Yeah, damn right. We don't have any articulation. <laughs> We've done that thing, haven't we, where we picked a film where we'd rather talk about literally any other movie, including ones that only exist in our heads. Yeah. In our defence this week, though, there's just nothing in Morbius. <laughs> it's, this might be one of the it, thinnest films I've ever watched. It, it's... It's like someone took Make Your 90s Action Movie 101 and then just inserted the words Morbius in all the template scripts. Yeah. It also does one of my favourite, and by which I mean absolutely awful things that you see in these kind of films. Or if you have like a female character like Martine, who has a scene right at the start where she goes, I ain't no damsel in distress. And then probably spends the entire film being a damsel in distress. Yeah. Um, but it's fine. She said she's strong and independent, so she's a strong and independent character. And she's very definitely a doctor, not a nurse. Yeah. As you know by all the important doctor things she does in this, like... Handing Mobius some files. Yes. Or checking in on his patients until he gets back. Yeah. Or pressing the button when he says. Like, say, a nurse would do. (laughs) (laughs) And then you've got Matt Smith, who turns up playing the, basically the ageing version of the 11th Doctor. Yeah, although one thing that really, I was surprised by how weird I found it in this, was seeing the 11th Doctor wearing a suit, a long coat and trainers. Yeah. That's that's not your Doctor look. It's David Tennant's. <laughs> but the... <laughs> yeah, it was... Um... And it was like... Why did he become so angry so quickly? You know, this this guy who'd been his friend for his entire life, he didn't just sit down and say, well, you know, tell me what your concerns are. Tell me why he thinks it's a bad idea. Talk me through this. He just went, ah, rampage. I think the answer to that is because he's a two-dimensional villain in a bad film. Ah, right, okay. Fine. Yeah, it's literally... Because it's such a frustrating scene because it's... You've got him on that one side just going from 0 to 100 immediately. And then on the other side of it, you've got Morbius going, no, you can't have this cure. It's too dangerous for unspecified reasons that I'm not going to tell you for no reason. Yeah. 
And it, it, uh, you're right. I mean, the the whole film is just badly written from start to finish. There's there's. I mean, it opens with the helicopters landing outside the cave of bats to put up a cage that doesn't actually appear to catch bats. Yeah, they just fly through it. But yeah. then the bats are in his lab later. So did he just like have a big net behind him? I don't know. Uh, but I mean, it, it did look like he just kept them in his lab so that every night he could go down and like reenact his own Batman origin story. Cue bats. Yeah, like I, I assume maybe he had them so he could do experiments on them if he needed. Yeah, but did they really need to be in that sort of like display chamber that was like, this is my conversation piece? Yeah, this is my. Oh, by the way, did I mention that this is coming out around about the same time as a Batman film? <laughs> well, I. I... I think it must be a huge coincidence because let's be honest they never really knew exactly when this film was coming out no yeah i, I say that it this was but also what was batman supposed to be coming out originally well that's slated for 2020 late 2020 yeah 2021 Oh, so I think Morbius was due before that. It was due. I, I, while I was looking for images to use, I found a poster that said July 2020. Jesus, July 2020. These past few years have been a very confusing time. They have. They have indeed. But also, who... Who at Sony watched this and thought, no, it's critical we get this out. I don't care how many times it gets pushed out. We have to keep trying, damn it. The world <laughs> needs to see Morbius. Well, given the shake-up that there's probably... It's probably the same exec who used to work at Fox and had the same discussion about New Mutants. Oh, New Mutants. That, that show was a film that came out eventually. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... So... Should, should we talk about the man himself? Or, what, Morbius? Yeah, Jared Leto. Do we have to... I mean, I mainly just wanted to do so I could say, what an absolute unbearable prick. All oh, right, fair enough. I'm, I'm not going to disagree. It's also, um, it's, I'd say funny, but also really annoying. All the stories you hear about what an absolute douchebag he is on set and is, oh no, I, I have to harass people constantly so that I can really get into the character of Morbius. Yeah. 
and it's for this performance. Yeah, you see, this is it. I've, I've, I've heard these stories of Jared Leto's attempts to get into character, and um, the only one when I would applaud that um, approach for Jared Leto is the, the character who gets punched in the face repeatedly in Fight Club. Yeah. God, I, I wish it had been more method for that. Yeah. Um, Joker, rubbish. Whatever that character was that he played in Blade Runner 2049, rubbish. And Morbius, rubbish. Yeah. Oh, actually, speaking of Javelito characters, that brings me on to my next point. Because, obviously, one of the weird things about this film is when we start off Michael Morbius, he's Greek. Yes. But then, once he ages into Jared Leto, he's just American. And I have a suspicion yes. that maybe he was supposed to have some kind of Greek accent, and then the people making this film saw Jared Leto in House of Gucci and immediately said, nope, nope. <laughs> because if that's what the man does to an Italian accent... <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's um, it's an odd film. It is. Matt Smith seems like he had fun though, so there's that, I guess. I mean, it's difficult to imagine Matt Smith not having fun. And you know, fair play to him. He probably got a reasonable. He probably got a bigger paycheck than he did Doctor Who, so you know. Yeah, and Chad Harris is pretty big. He, he probably got a nice chunk of change for basically nothing. Yeah. 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 Also, Tyrese Gibson is in this film. He's the detective. Remember the detective who has absolutely zero impact on the plot. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, th those detectives, they, they seem to be, they seem to be trying to build them into some sort of, like, ongoing characters, potentially. Sort of like some kind of buddy double act. One of which is a bit quirky, occasionally, when they remember to write him that way. Yeah, like, he'll occasionally just have a really dodgy one-liner. He also yeah. has one scene where he picks up a cat litter tray and shakes it around going, here, kitty, kitty. That's not how cat yeah. litter works. It's a hugely impractical way of doing it, isn't it? <laughs> if it did work like that, you, yeah. cat, you pick up the litter tray, shake it, and the cat just leaps up and goes, thank you kindly. Yes, you have to guess when your cat needs the toilets. Fun random fact I wanted to mention about Tyrese Gibson as well. Yeah. Apparently in the early versions of the script, he was supposed to have a robot arm. Which just seems so weird. What, like a sort of male misty knight? Yeah, basically. Because I, I think maybe the version in the comics did. Maybe but that just seems so possibly. weirdly out of place with this comic book universe. 
problem with the Sony universe is that one they're picking at the scraps that they've got left from Marvel they've only got Spider-Man really haven't they and yeah, then they've I mean, got to churn out a sp- they've got to sp- churn out a Spider-Man movie every so often to retain the rights yeah. don't they I mean that, that is the kind of amazing thing about this is they're trying to build a whole universe out of B-list Spider-Man characters yeah and but the difference is and, and we saw it we saw it with the difference between the amazing spider-man movies and the spider-man far from homecoming and um nowhere yes the the actually amazing spider-man movies yeah the when you've got guys who know the comics doing it works yeah when you've got guys who haven't got a bloody clue? Not so much. I, I guess it's also the problem with trying to make this kind of stuff work. I, I believe the budget for Mobius was about eighty million dollars, which is not a lot for a comic book movie. No. And then, and you seem to, you sort of think to yourself, well, eighty million for a comic book movie in twenty twenty. Well, twenty, well, about nineteen seventy four when they started on this one, wasn't it? Um, it's not a great deal of money. How much confidence did they have it in the first place? I suspect not a lot. Although yeah. it does mean, I think, looking at the box office, it's made about one hundred sixty three million. So that's that's basically broken even. Yeah. So Morbius, not a commercial failure. I mean, I did say commercial, not critical. That's true. Apparently, in its entire run at the cinema, it's made about the same as a poorly performing MCU film makes in a weekend. God, that is quite stark, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, stark, I did a pun. It's just, pushing the puns, they are fused to my DNA like vampire bat DNA, so I just, I can't help it. The other thing I don't like about this, Morbius, is that there wasn't enough of a role for Sarah Jane Smith. You bet she was barely in it. I, I can't remember a scene where she, she, she was allowed to shine. There was certainly no epic blind acting. Trying to think, there's got to be something about you, you could fit canine in this because it is absolute dog dirt. Yeah, except he wasn't in the Morbius episode. Predated canine by about two years. Uh, that's weird. I'd, in my head, canine was like in it for as long as Sarah Jane was. But I think that's just because he was in like the Sarah Jane adventures as well. Yeah. Actually, what, what am I even That's... talking about? Because obviously, K9 wasn't in Pyramids of Mars. K9 never met Sarah Jane Smith until after Sarah had left the Doctor, but before they re-met in School Reunion, which then led to the Sarah Jane Adventures. Oh, that's weird. That's, that's proper timey-wimey. Yeah. 
and on that bombshell. <laughs> but I still rather would talk about the greater Mobius than this. <laughs> it's got Phil Maddock in it as a bad guy. Yeah, but this this has. It's got Phil Maddock in it as a mad scientist. Jared Leto should have watched it to see how you play a mad scientist. Or Jared Leto shouldn't have been in this film or any film. Well, yeah, that's another option. God, I hate that man. I've never I've never spoken to anybody who's ever said what a fine actor Jared Leto is. How does he still get work? I don't know. I assume it's like his weird cult kidnapping people's friends and family and forcing him to be in films. <laughs> right. Um, is there anything else we can say? Um, I mean, I've only got one thing left in my notes. And it's right. that despite this film being under two hours, I would actually prefer Lesbius. <laughs> oh dear, that was terrible. I mean, it was about as well written as I, any of the dialogue in Morbius. It was terrible and still not as bad as anything in Morbius. Um, right, I suppose we ought to rank it then. We should. So this is going on our list of... Okay. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Calm down, baby, calm down. We're getting there. We don't know yet. The votes are in. So yeah, like like I said, this is going on a list going from one to thirty-seven, and who knows? Maybe it will be a challenger to a history of violence at number one. But I think it's much more likely to be challenging Nick Fury, Agent of Shield, down at number thirty-seven. I mean, this film is definitely worse than both Howard the Duck and Catwoman. It is. I think, and this is my thought process here, I think we have, well, whatever way it works, we're going to have a new number 38, aren't we? Yeah, that's true. That's just how lists work. (laughs) (laughs) But I think this is going to be number 38 because... For the simple reason that whilst Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a little bit cheesy, there's an element of intentional cheese because it was that kind of 90s Saturday TV movie action Saturday night family viewing filler thing. Whereas... Morbius is just bad and wasn't intentionally bad, wasn't intentionally poorly put together, it, I hope. It, but it's got a sort of air of taking itself 
seriously when it has no right to because it's crap. It is. I mean, yeah, and just to round out the bottom, we've also got three dev Adam at number 36. But it really just is a case of what is the sloppiest turd in the in the toilet at the moment. It is, isn't it? It's just... And, and, and it always boils down to me, the question of, would you willingly watch it again? And I think with Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Agent of Shield, every now and then you might just pull it out for a laugh. Yeah. And the same with 3 Dev Adam. Yeah, definitely 3 Dev Adam, because that sounds absolutely mental. Yeah. Uh, whereas Morbius. If someone said, do you fancy watching Morbius for a laugh? You're more likely to say, I would rather someone dressed as Morbius nod my arm off. That's true. Because, yeah, there's not even anything like the villain in Nick Fury, what's-her-name, who's just so ridiculously terribly over-the-top. Yeah. And even... I mean, Matt Smith, he's trying his best with this little dancing about in the mirror and pulling a scary vampire face. Yeah. But it's still just a load of stinky poo-poo. Yeah. Also, and it's that kind of insightful criticism that our listener tunes in for. It is, and and I think I've I've worked out what the slam dunk deal is. Yeah, Nick Fury, Agents of Shield, does not have Jared Leto in it. Sold. <laughs> so unfortunately, David Hasselhoff. You are still at number 37. But the good news is there's now a 38. <laughs> I mean, God, this this feels like Thanos levels of inevitability, doesn't it? That Morbius is it does. right down at the bottom. <laughs> I mean, it literally sucks. Hey. I mean, you say that, that's, that's maybe the other thing we should mention. There's so little blood in this vampire film. Yes. And most of what you do see is hanging in bags in a freezer. Yeah. I, I think the only exception is Jared House spills a bit of ketchup on his shirt at one point. And that, that, that's the other thing that gets me, right? He realises there's a flaw with the artificial blood, right? That means he, it's reduced... He's got reduced efficacy. At no point does he ever postulate the theory of maybe I ought to research an augmented version of the artificial blood. Yeah, or just... Because surely, like, (laughs) the blue bags he has, that's the artificial blood. Yeah. And then he's got loads of, like, just red bags. And Is that not just human blood? Yeah. I guess, I, I mean, you could maybe almost do a thing where he's like, no, the, the patients need this so I can't drink it. But it's again, going back to the, one of the points from the synopsis, does he have patients? Because it seems like it's just the one girl. Yeah. And is she a patient or is she a lab rat? Maybe both. 
Because they, they don't even say if she has like the same disease as he does or not. Yeah. And if she did have, wouldn't he have sent her off to Jared? The other Jared. That's also a point. How many films have the same... This is like... This has got as many Jareds as Doctor Strange has Benedicts. You could have a Benedict and Jared off. No. <laughs> no. I mean, maybe like Benedict Cumberbatch, Benedict Wong, and Jared Harris could all hang out and just forget to invite Jared Leto. Yeah. Yeah. That could work. <laughs> also, did Jared Harris like give up being a doctor? Because he just seems to hang around with Milo now. Yeah. Does, doesn't he? Literally nothing he in this insulted and abused. It's, oh, it's so bad. So, so bad. It, I mean, it's it's number 38 for a good reason. It is. With its smoke trails. Smoke trails! I know. Yeah, so smoke trails that are sometimes bright orange. Because yeah. that's what I want in a vampire film, is bright primary colours. Except I think orange is a secondary colour, isn't it? <laughs> Come back, Twilight, all is forgiven. <laughs> Actually, do you want to know what my favourite thing about Morbius being number 38 on the list is? It's what? because it means when I look at it on the list, I've got just enough space on the thing where I can see the start of the TV list and can just see Moon Knight just sitting there for a minute. It's, it's okay, Andrew. Good content does exist. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well. I. I think our work here is done. Indeed, that does us for another week. We have cured the sickness that is Morbius. But at what cost, Mick? <laughs> so. Well, we've managed to do it without upsetting Matt Smith. That's something at least. All we have to do now is watch out for the Sisterhood of Khan. Make sure we don't get caught up in one of their rituals. Do I want to just watch Brain of Morbius tonight? I feel like I maybe do. It, it, it's a timeless classic. It's not Pyramid of Mars, but it it held to that glorious period of shameless rip-offs of classic horror. Which I mean, I'm going to say is when Doctor Who was at its best. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. God, that's that's it, isn't it? It's stuff at Chris Chibnall with your attempts to do like huge myth arcs and significant moments. Just rip off a bunch of old Hammer horror films, and I'll be happy. Yeah. Anyway, that's it from us. If you want to listen to more. <laughs> You can find all our episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. If you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. Also, if you are a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice or just recommended us to a friend. 
it's the best way for us to grow as a show and reach new horrible giant CGI bat ears. And that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. And I've been Milo. I mean Lucian. I mean Mick. So long and thanks for listening. Bye.